Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Amanda Norris, and I'm the Revenue Cycle Editor for Health Leaders. Today, I'm here to chat with Tammy McMasters-Gomez, the Director of Coding and CDI Services for UC Davis. Today, we're going to chat about her organization's discontinued CDI reconciliation process. So let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me, Tammy. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So we spoke a month or two ago about the technology that UC Davis has been implementing in the middle revenue cycle. And at the time, you mentioned to me about your organization's discontinued CDI reconciliation process. Since it seems to be the opposite of what a lot of revenue cycle leaders look to do, I was so eager to get you on the podcast to explain a little bit. So revenue cycle leaders obviously know every aspect of the revenue cycle, but depending on an organization's size, they may not be as in the weeds with CDI encoding as their directors are. So we are chatting about this topic today because the small change that you made in your department increased productivity by 33%. And that's a very big number, and that can have a huge impact on the revenue cycle as a whole. So to start us off, can you give revenue cycle leaders a brief overview of what a typical CDI encoding reconciliation process looks like? Sure. So prior to us discontinuing, I can tell you what ours looked like and and what I I know of other organizations. Typically, it consists of the CDI doing their work concurrently, assigning a working DRG and a set of diagnosis and procedure codes that is used proactively real-time to to generate queries, quality reviews, and a number of things. And then once that patient gets discharged, the coders code the case based on the documentation and the record. And if the DRGs don't match, there was a process where the coder would pass it back to the uh, CDI in a work queue type environment and say, my DRG doesn't match yours. Let's figure out why. CDI would spend sometimes, you know, 30, 40 uh, time trying to figure out why their DRG didn't match the coders. And in most cases, they're not tenured season coders, they're clinical reviewers. And so it could have been some obscure coding guideline. It could be a seventh character in a procedure code that the CDI um, just wasn't sure about the device or approach or whatever it might be. Um, And it just didn't feel like it it was very productive to have this process in place. And then it really created, um, you know, a low team morale. There was this back and forth and they're questioning me and, and why are we doing this? And so it really felt like there could be a better way at UC Davis. You know, we, and that, that, that's kind of what set this in motion for me is, is taking a look at how we can make this process more efficient. And is this process creating more problems in the unit or less team engagement than it should? Now that we know a little bit more about the process, what happened to make you see that discontinuing this entire process was the right move? And what was your process in implementing this change? So as I mentioned, um, you know, my wheels started turning about why this process was so adversarial and why the teams were going back and forth and why I was holding the CDI team to a coding standard that I the same standard that I would hold the coders to when they're not coders. And then I started thinking about we have such a strong coding team, you know, and and 99.9% coding accuracy rate. So we had, you know, I started with actually uh, thinking about how I could demonstrate 
the uh, integrity of the coding data. Um, and so we had two external audits done back to back in, in 2019 and 2020 to kind of gauge where we were not looking at our internal, uh, we already had our internal audit data, which was really high, but we needed a third party out, outside auditor to come in and kind of reinforce what I already knew was that we had a really strong coding team. And so uh, that reinforced that we did have 99.9% .9 coding accuracy rate. So what I thought was, you know, there was one benefit to having this reconciliation process, and that was the education both parties would uh, receive from, you know, kind of investigating or learning about why their DRGs didn't match. You know, high coding accuracy rates. And then I thought, well, what can I do to take this process outside of these teams so that they could spend time doing what they do, coding and clinical reviews? And so I created kind of a back-end process where I have one clinical reviewer that gets a report daily that shows all the DRG mismatches. And that second level reviewer, which is um, done by both a coding analyst, high-level coding analyst slash auditor with CDI credentials and a CDI lead, do the reviews and provide individual feedback to either the coder or the CDI on why there was a difference in the DRG. So it may be, it may just be that something was documented in the discharge summary that kind of clarified, you know, a rule in or a rule out. It could be um, that there was, again, an obscure coding guideline that the CDI uh, reviewer wasn't aware of. And so that review was done um, retrospectively pre-bill and the um, individual feedback is provided to the team uh, real time prior to completing uh, the case with the supporting documentation on why uh, there was a DRG mismatch. And then we also look for trends and identify if, if, if like everybody's mixing the boat in this on this one area, then, you know, we provide a, a much broader education or scope. But we, you know, we really did a lot of, um, you know, looking at data and leveraging reports. And when there are coding errors or missed opportunities discovered, there is direct feedback daily to the coders, so they're still getting that education. So we found that after doing this and implementing this, that this increased the CDI productivity more than it did the coders by anywhere between 25 to 33 percent. On a good day, it, it was 33 percent. And it really let the coders be coders and the CDI have more time to perform those, those clinical reviews and touch more cases. And that added benefit was team morale. Um, it really did just completely change the morale with regards to the interaction between the coders and the CDI. So you were obviously armed with a lot of data and great coding accuracy rates in the beginning. So did you find it easy to get other revenue cycle leaders on board with your decision to change this process up? I did. And once I was able to demonstrate the, you know, high accuracy rates of our coding and that I believed this process could be done more efficiently and was able to demonstrate how I could do it more efficiently, uh, there was a lot of buy-in. And by changing the way we did it, we had a lot of benefits. Yeah. So I know that we chatted about the 33% increase in productivity, but what other positive outcomes have you seen since changing this process? I know you said a little less tension between your coders and CDI teams. Is there anything else that you've noticed or even anything negative as well? I have not seen anything negative at this point. I, I can't speak to anything that I think that has been um, an adverse kind of positive um, impact. I, I will say that, you know, it does allow those individuals who, you know, are seeking education or feedback on their performance, daily interaction with a team who is very direct and 
has kind of education background. So when you leave it up to the coder and the CDI to go back and forth and, and provide education or or here's a coding guideline or you know a, a clinical reviewer saying but clinically this is this way the coders in the CDI don't necessarily always speak the same language and so I think this has provided that direct feedback where they're speaking either from a clinical perspective and or a coding perspective that could be easily digestible and referenced by material that's coming um, um, coming with the direct feedback. So I think it's created just more of a um, a better understanding from the team because I, I, some of the feedback I got was like, I don't understand what the coder's saying or the coder would say, we don't code based off of clinical findings or we don't code based off what they, you know, what's clinically uh, supported. We code based off documentation. So there was a lot of that back and forth. And so all of that is kind of done in a very nice write-up format and presented back to the team. And in my opinion, irrefutable because there's evidence, documentation, and all of the coding or CDI resources needed to present back to the team individuals or or the team otherwise, depending upon whether it's you know a you know a trend we found. Um, so I think it's created this really great educational opportunity as well. And again, uh, you know, having CDI spend more time doing clinical reviews, that productivity piece also has allowed us to spend more time looking at some of the more complex things. So not just increasing productivity, but increasing the integrity of the reviews and the type of reviews that um, we're doing as the landscape is kind of moving more towards a, a quality outcomes and uh, we're measuring that performance. So the CDI really has had more time to do some of those reviews that impact our quality outcomes as well. When taking on such a large endeavor, like reworking an entire reconciliation process, revenue cycle leaders can be very hesitant. Can you give them any advice on moving forward and taking those first steps towards something like this? Like, What can they say to their CDI or coding directors to get them on board? I think I would start by, uh, you know, really looking at the time being spent doing this and the impact it has on the teams. And then if you have a strong coding team, because it really does start with high coding accuracy rates. If you have a, t a coding team that's not strong, the process you have in place may work. That's kind of how I think it evolved for us is that we had such a already a high accuracy rate it didn't it didn't really make sense to have a reconciliation process in place where the cdis were questioning the coders most of the time because 99 percent of the time the coders were right already so for us it was it was about um, making sure that we were more efficient in how this process was conducted and so it you know it's about efficiency so i would ask your your leaders to demonstrate to you how the process is currently working, is it efficient? What's the time being spent on that? And then ask about those coding accuracy rates. If you have a, a very um, high coding accuracy rate and your coders are, are, are accurate 99% of the time during that DRG mismatch review, um, does it make sense to continue to do this? Because for that 1% where that CDI may be right, could you put a backend control in place and find the errors there or find the opportunities there? So let me ask, did you implement any sort of automation to help kind of fill these gaps? We did. And so while we were, you know, uh, during the during the implementation process, I had already discontinued uh, reconciliation. So this was something that we had already started, but 
we're embarking on um, a product called CDI Engage One, um, where we have uh, computer-assisted physician documentation to nudge providers on the front end real time at the point of care. And then we have within that application prioritization lists and some evidence sheets that kind of prioritize the reviews and then also point out evidence in the record for the CDI to pay attention to uh, for possible queries. And so uh, these are all automations that have enhanced this workflow, I would say. So these are things that if you're also embarking on, you could contribute to that productivity. So that 33%, that 25 to 33% was already there. And on top of that, we've implemented those automations, which has further improved you know, productivity and efficiencies. So what does the future of your CDI and coding departments look like now? Are you looking to automate any other areas? We are. So we're embarking now on, uh, so we have an established outpatient CDI program. Let me back up. And we're embarking on a, a similar journey there. We have we have a little bit more of a challenge with trying to um, reconcile uh, ensuring that coding is being captured in the outpatient arena. And so the in, the inpatient CDI team and the coders kind of work uh, tandem, hand in hand, where the outpatient team is, is spending time uh, looking at records prospectively. So two days before that clinic visit, they're doing a clinical review and placing a notification on the chart to remind the providers to address conditions that are chronic conditions that have uh, impact on your HCC or RAF score. And then that, that documentation gets in the record. And then sometimes we find that the coding teams, which um, aren't as um, centralized, they're out in the clinics, um, may not pick up that specificity that we've gone to the trouble of trying to capture through a query. And so we're, we're working on a reconciliation process uh, for the outpatient side. And we've engaged um, again uh, with automation. So we're looking at kind of a HCC nudge or HCC management application that also nudges the providers um, at the point of care saying, you know, the last three years, you've documented this, or I see that the patient's on Simbacort. Can you please specify the reason? Uh, so there's there's that automation component that we're working in, and we're also working on some type of uh, reconciliation um, efficiency as well with making sure that what we've gone uh, to the trouble of getting in terms of specificity on the outpatient side is also being captured on the coding side accurately. So there's there's a component of that that we're working towards now. And I, I think the future will be um, automation with uh, nudging providers real time and your CDI team uh, being kind of the gatekeepers to ensure accuracy uh, with the coding um, and working closely with the coding teams um, as close to real time as possible to ensure that, that that data trickles down to the claim. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for today, unfortunately. I know you're very busy, so I'll let you get back to running your department. But thank you so much for joining me, Tammy, and sharing this with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate okay. your time today. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, this brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast, and we'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.